Hello, and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper Velocities podcast. I'm Sammy, and this is episode 35. This week, we read Lodestar chapters 34 through 43, but we did want to talk a bit about the unlocked preview um, beforehand, because this episode is going to be posted on October 17th, so by that point, the full first chapter of Unlocked will have been released in, I think, in the back of the Legacy paperback. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that is a thing. We finally learned what was in the cache. Oh, did we? I feel like maybe I didn't read that with enough detail then. Oh, and um, by the way, this is going to obviously have spoilers for Unlocked, so I'm going to edit in a timestamp. So if you want to skip past the spoilers, you can do so. 8 minutes, 53 seconds. Yeah, we found out what was in Orly's cache in this section. Let me try to find the page. But basically it was like, yeah, it was this conversation between her and Kenrick. Oh, yeah. Which is like, oh boy. Because, you know, when I saw the first, when I saw like the first, paragraph of this that was posted on Shannon's Instagram. I was so excited because we were going to get to see Kenrick. And now, like, I'm not so excited about Kenrick anymore. I know. It's going to, like, ruin all the Dedrick jokes because it's just, they've, it fundamentally changed Kenrick in my eyes. It was so bizarre. I know. Now he just seems a lot more manipulative and just, like, I mean, before, I feel like See, the Dedrick jokes, I think, worked because he was just, like, fundamentally a nice guy, right? But now, this has kind of changed your perception of him. Yeah, his personality kind of got twisted around, and now I just, I can't see him in the same way anymore. It's just, it's, it's a shame. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you know, I like having occasionally just great, like, good guy characters. Like, they're, they're just good people, you know? And then this happens, and I'm conflicted. Yeah, it's like, now I don't know who's who's left. Who's just, like, nice, uncomplicated. We've got, like, Elwyn. Elwyn. I think that's it. Is that it? Is that really... Maybe Sander? But, like, that's it. Maybe maybe Sandal, I think, yeah. But, I mean, unless we're counting the kids, but the majority of them are also complicated, so... Yeah. Oh... It's like Henrik died all over again, but worse. I know, it's like killing him twice. But you can't die twice. It's just like, why? Why would you do this? Yeah, it is like killing him twice, I feel like, because we haven't seen anything from him for so long. It's been like six books. And then now the instant he comes back, he's just immediately like, oh, wait, no, he was actually manipulative. He... You know, he insisted on knowing everything that Orly was doing. He wiped her memory to quote-unquote protect her. And I'm just like, I don't know who this person is. This is not my Kenrick. Yeah, and it kind of ruined the whole Kenrick and Orly ship for me. Like, they were always yeah. kind of a cute little... Yeah, they were in love. It was forbidden. And now I'm just like, oh, Kenrick kind of sucked. Like, it's just... Oh, no, no. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like, in, I mean, in this chapter, we did finally get, like, an out-and-out 
Kenrick and Orly confession where Kenrick was like, you know, Orly, let's resign from the council so we can be together because we love each other. And it's like, okay, great. For one, yes, we finally got that confession. On the other hand, I don't want it anymore. I know. It was like, I've been waiting for this this whole time, expecting we weren't going to get it. And now that we do, I'm just disappointed because it doesn't matter to me anymore. It's just like they've kind of, ah, it was was a trip, that preview, honestly. I still don't really know what to make of it. I don't know what the point of the preview was. I'm still reeling from Kenrick. Honestly, there's kind of a lot to unpack here. I don't really know where to start other than the whole Kenrick thing. Yeah, I only really remember the Kenrick thing, I suppose. Yeah, that's the part that definitely made me the most angry. I'm still kind of confused, though, like, what is actually in the cache, like, what the secret was. Yeah, I was kind of confused. For a moment there, I was thinking, oh, it's just, like, a memory that was, like, detrimental to them, so they hid it in her cache, but that didn't make a lot of sense. So I'm trying to remember what the actual point was, but I somehow missed that, I think. Yeah, it's like, there were a lot of, like, little pieces of things I felt like in the cache memory like we found out that Kenrick was a washer and that he and Orly were in love and that there was oh and that he knew she was involved in the black swan and he wanted to leave the council I'm just like scrolling through Oh, and he was planning to, to wipe Orly's memory to get her to forget something, but he, he doesn't say what the something is. So that feels like a lot of, like, small secrets, but I'm not sure what ties it all together. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. It was kind of... I was very confused about what the actual secret was, since that was, like, in the case. It was like, oh, yeah, as a memory thing, it makes sense, but in that, I wasn't really sure what the secret was. I suppose if it's just like, oh, we've been given all these tiny things, and then maybe like the point of the book will be like figuring out, I suppose, what that means. But I don't really know. I mean, they kind of they kind of mentioned that like on the last page of the preview, Orly just says, "Well, that wasn't what I was expecting." Yeah, I kind of expected like I don't know an actual secret, but it's kind of hard to store them. I was thinking like um, in the case, I always had the idea it's just like written down secrets. Like, in my head, it was that, and then I read it, and I was like, oh, they're probably just memories, and that doesn't make as much sense. Like, it's not as clear-cut what they're going to be about, which kind of, I probably should have thought of before, but yeah, I don't know. They're like, they're not just going to have it, like, written down if it's a memory they had to wipe. Yeah, that's true. I, um, yeah, I didn't expect for the cache memory to be in the form of, like, It was, like, projected kind of like a movie screen, right? Yeah, I kind of expected... And, yeah, like, I mean, it makes sense for it to to be that way because we know they can project memories and stuff like that. But I had also thought it would be, like... I don't even know what I envisioned it to be like. I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, I always sort of pictured it, like, recording in their minds or them, like, disappearing into the cage or something ridiculous like that. I don't know. But yeah, I never really thought about it being, like, projected, I suppose. So, yeah, that was the preview. Um, I'm very confused, but okay. Yeah, that was, um, 
it was something, at least. I'm no longer starved for content. True, true. It's like, I still can't get over Kenrick. I know. I'm just, I'm, oh, I'm not okay with this. Not at all. Yeah. I'm gonna depress delete. Oh my god, I even, yeah. It's just like, I don't even know how to make jokes about his death anymore. I'm just kind of too, like, too surprised by all of this. Yeah, I'm kind of too far removed from this. Like, ah, it doesn't matter anymore? Kind of thing? I'm just, it's too far removed from the scenario. The Dedrick jokes just aren't speaking to me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Did you want to move on to talk about the Lodestar chapters? Uh, yeah, sure. Just found a lot of small things and don't know what to talk about them. <laughs> like, I had like vague ideas, but yeah. So this section was chapter 34 through 43. This starts kind of right after Wiley has been kidnapped. So we're dealing with the very fun aftermath of that. Oh, yeah. It felt like, I suppose, a point where it became... It was kind of serious. Like, it was definitely like, oh, it's kind of a war now. I felt like, because we hadn't had anything quite that dark yet. So much as, like, kidnapping and torturing one of their friends. Oh, wait. No, book one, but... <laughs> I just realized that, oh... Oh, my point is somewhat invalid now, but that was, like, kind of jarring from, like, the earlier books. Well, it kind of feels different when it happens to someone else. Like, I can't really think of an explanation for that, but, like... I think it's mainly just because Sophie's the main character. We're kind of used to this sort of thing happening to her. I expect it, and then it just happened to someone else, like Wiley, and I was like, oh. Yeah, and it's also kind of, like the section where they, they're talking about not trusting Keith, which also felt like we've kind of crossed the line since never seen in the earlier four, three books, I suppose. Also the first three. It kind of got darker. Yeah, like with Wiley, I guess it's, I guess it's kind of them saying, like, them realizing, like, oh, this has implications beyond just us, beyond just the main character, because now, like, other people are getting hurt, not just Sophie, so it it seems bigger somehow. Yeah, it seems kind of like the span of what the Never Seen's affecting is just growing slowly, which I think is kind of just, like, yeah, it just got, like, kind of scarier for them, I suppose. Also, because, like, Wiley didn't really have anything to do with, like, Project Moonlark or anything. Like, he wasn't part of the Black Swan yet he still got hurt because of that. Yeah, he kind of, he's not directly sort of like involved in it, so him being the one that was, you know, tortured and kidnapped was kind of just kind of bizarre. It was like they didn't really have a reason for this, I suppose. It was kind of out of the blue, and we're like, oh, they're going to do that to anyone kind of thing. Yeah, it's like anyone can, can get hurt. So the section starts with we're learning a bit of the backstory of Wiley's mom, whose name I sadly cannot pronounce. Oh, I think it was Kyra, but I don't know. Kyra? Yeah, that's how I always... I have like four different pronunciations that I kind of switch in my head. So it's either like Syra or Syra or Kyra. 
and I don't know which one is right. Yeah, oh, see, now I'm going to be thinking about that constantly. <laughs> it's like thinking all over again. Yeah, and Keefe. <laughs> that one was just... Oh, never recovered. But yeah. I don't know, whichever's easiest. But yeah. We can just go with Kyra for now. So, yeah, we learned that Kyra was... She was killed while in the middle of a leap, like, someone attacked her and broke her concentration, which caused her to fail. I mean, not fail, fade. Fade. Oh, and yeah, they also brought in Morella's mom, which was surprising, because she hasn't really come up a lot before now. Mm, yeah, it was interesting. It was kind of like, um, with Caprice, it was, yeah, I'm trying to use my brain for a second, I think I just short-ducketed, but... It was like, um, we didn't really know a lot about her. It was all sort of like, oh, yeah, she fell off a balcony and kind of went a little bit, like, she's no longer reliable and has, like, vicious mood swings and stuff. But this kind of was like, oh, because of that, she's not, like, a reliable source that kind of showed repercussions and she was sort of in more involved than kind of like an off, one-off line for a while. Yeah, and I I agree. And it's it's interesting that, Caprice specifically was the only one who was who was like, oh, Kyra should have been more careful. That was the quote. Um, and it's like kind of vague as to what that means, but I just think it's interesting because both Caprice and Kyra like seem to have been attacked by a never seen member, but then that was sort of hidden and passed off as an accident. Like it just seems very similar. Yeah, that's kind of like the parallels, and then super familiar with either story. I haven't read this book or any of them in a while, actually, but yeah, with that kind of scenario happening, I think between them it kind of like adds a bit more depth to her telling Kyra to be careful, I suppose, since the same thing sort of happened to her previously. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of going off the idea that Caprice actually like remembers it, so I don't know. Right, that's true, because she is kind of unreliable the next section i have i feel like i may have skipped a chapter in the middle but the next section i have was about flory oh yeah hang on no i think that's chapter 35 sort of has flory in it yeah so flory is a gnome she's somehow distantly related to kala i don't remember the exact like relationship yeah, I think she got called, like, Kala's niece, but I don't think it was ever, like... They definitely said I don't remember. Something, like, with Fallon, and it's just, like, a bunch of greats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't think as many as 19, thankfully, because I'm not saying that ever again. But, yeah, Flory takes Sophie to talk to Orly, so she takes her to Eternalia using that really cool tree root roller coaster. Oh, yeah, that would be so much fun. Yeah, Sophie has this conversation with Orly in her personal castle, which kind of ties into the unlocked preview we were talking about in the beginning, just like relating to Orly. That was kind of the only thing when I was reading this that I was honestly thinking about. But yeah, it was like, oh. And also the fact that this kind of reads a little bit differently now that we know Orly was involved with the Black Swan and was 
um, I suppose, a year later, legacy spoilers, that was Sophie's mom. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that too. That, like, Orly as, as a character definitely becomes more complicated once we find all that out later on. So, like, going back now and reading it feels different. Yeah, it's kind of like you can feel the foreshadowing and it puts all, all, her, all her actions and what she did in another light, knowing that she's, you know, involved and, yeah, it kind of changes everything. Kind of like now, whenever I reread the earlier ones, I'm going to be reading Kenrick completely differently. True. Oh, that's true. Like, I mean, when we did the reread for Keeper cast of books one through three, that was before we knew all the stuff about Kenrick. And... Oh, now I feel like I have to reread it again to, like, uh, to try and pick up on some of that. Yeah, it's going to be, like, one of those series that, like, every time something new and major about a character happens, I'm going to reread the entire series, and I'm going to be just, uh, I'm going to be reading it forever. Which is either a good thing or a terrifying thing, but I will. Um, speaking of orally, there was, like, one line that made me kind of go, like, oh. And it was when, it was when Sophie told Orly about how Wiley had been kidnapped and tortured, and Orly's obviously feeling really bad about it, and Sophie says, it's not your fault, and then Orly says, no, but I'm not blameless either. Now that line reads different now. Yeah, because I suppose, oh yeah, that was just like, I kind of like didn't pay any attention to that, you know, when I first read it, obviously. For some reason, I didn't, because that seems iffy even without that, but like, the whole I'm not blameless either thing is just, I don't know how I didn't realize sooner. <laughs> well, I think, like, without the context of, you know, of Orly being Sophie's biological mom, of being um, involved in the Black Swan, without that context, it seems like that line is just talking about how she's in the council and she has this responsibility to protect all the elves because of that. But then, and I, I think that meaning still applies, like, I think it's, it's still true. But now there is also that added layer of, oh, I was involved in Project Moonlark. I was a part of all of this. Yeah, it's kind of like I could definitely see where she's sort of blaming herself a little bit or kind of just thinking, oh, I could have stopped this both as a council member and as a member of the Black Swan. So it kind of applies in both scenarios, like you said. But yeah, that was definitely a line I missed, actually. Yeah, I missed it too. I didn't, I didn't think a lot of it the first time. Hmm. I don't think I even really noticed it every other time I reread it. But yeah, that's definitely kind of the meaning changes. And yeah, it's like I. This is the first time I've reread Lodestar in its entirety. I think I've read reread parts of it before, but I've never paid attention to the scene at all. Like. I never thought it was that important, but after Legacy, it suddenly does feel a lot more important and a lot more relevant than it used to feel. I kind of, I find I reread kind of the um, the parts of Lotus when they're just hanging out as friends, like the little sleepover scene at Dex's. And yeah, same. Yeah, like when they were waiting outside of Exilium and all that, but I never really get to all these ones because I just don't think about them that much. But this one definitely becomes just, yeah, way more important after Legacy. 
I suppose. And after the preview, I suppose, as well. So, moving on, um, this is the part where I definitely know I skipped a chapter in my notes. Because the next thing I have is about when Keith calls, like, Keith asked to meet Sophie at the place with the selkie skin. This scene, in contrast to the previous Orly scene, this is the scene that stuck in my head. Yeah, I kind of just remember wanting to absolutely murder Gisela, but that's nothing new. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of stuff that went on here. Yeah, she's just kind of really horrible. Those memories, Keith's, I mean, both of Keith's memories that he showed in this scene were just, like, tough to read. It just kind of makes me hate his parents even more, and I didn't really know that was possible. <laughs> yeah. Ah, they're both horrible. God. And I can't... Ah, I honestly sometimes with Sophie so... Like, I'm... I've become Sophie. There was that one bit where she was like, Oh, do you feel powerful? <laughs> and the idea of, like, saying that to just all about it, that's much farther ahead. This is the worst. How do you do that to a child? Ah. Seriously. It's like, okay, so the, yeah, so the context of this is that, like, Keith shares a memory of when Gisela pretty much takes a pin and cuts open his hand so that they can open the nightfall door using his blood, which is like, also, he's like 10 at this point, or something, like, he is a child. Yeah, hang on, wait, where's the quote? Because it's horrifying, oh my, yeah. Nope, never mind, I am not finding that. Because, oh, she sounded almost like she was in love with blood or something. It was really bizarre. It was kind of like, oh, anyone can give DNA. That's just super easy. But like, oh, blood is our life force. And it was like, it doesn't take guts to lick a sensor, but to paint it with blood. Now that's something special. Don't you feel powerful? And she just sliced his hand open. I'm just like, oh. Oh, that's so... Oh, God. That was horrible to read. Gisela is just very messed up. There's something very not okay yeah like with a lot of the other characters they're kind of like a lot of the bad characters Cassius is kind of portrayed in a way that even though what he's done is irredeemable you can understand why he did it whereas she's just the worst she's kind of like fundamentally wrong yeah to do the things she does yeah it's it's true that like I still can't fully understand why she's so awful or why she does anything like like why she would go to such lengths to do whatever is involved with the nightfall door or like change Keith's genes I just still don't understand what it's all for yeah I we don't really ever get like an explanation of her actions just sort of like oh yeah she did this and it's worse than what she just did somehow but we never really see why we don't get an explanation which i suppose might be a good thing because you have to have those like irredeemable just evil characters i suppose rather than making everyone super complex but yeah she's just i don't understand her at all maybe it is because you don't really understand her motivations or it's because they're kind of complicated like that's why she's so scary or so like you just want to get away from her because like with Cassius as a contrast right like you know he's just a bad guy pretty much and you can tell 
like you know what his personality is like but with Gisela I feel like there are way more unknowns like we don't know why she's doing any of this stuff or real or really what her motivations are so that makes the awful things that she's doing even more scary if that makes sense yeah it kind of makes her sort of like a wild card we don't know what she's gonna do because we don't understand her it's she's not portrayed in a way that you can understand why she's doing anything so she can kind of do anything she wants and i won't question it because she's just completely out of the blue in a way we don't have any idea of like why she's doing it so you can't predict what she's going to do next yeah exactly there was also um so Keith shared this one other memory with Sophie that was like, it was a memory of him with Fintan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they were like going to human cities and it was like a kind of empathy training. Like Fintan was asking him to tell what certain humans were feeling. And then he said, if you could only save one of these people, who would you save? And... That freaks me out. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and there was this whole thing where he was, like, yeah, it was kind of like um, he was saving, like, the people who were happiest because they'd appreciate living the most, and then the tiny children because they were cute, and Sophie found that adorable. That's kind of the only thing I remember from that. But just making someone choose who to save was just, oh, my God. Because, like, Fenton was taking notes in the memory, right? Like, he was... He was put putting down the qualities that Keith chose to like the qualities of people that Keith chose to like make mean that they were worthy of saving, and I still have this is also like kind of I think a fear of like I just don't know what he's gonna do with that list or like what the these quote unquote criterion are or anything like that. It's just like such a weird messed up way of looking at people. It sort of falls into the whole just determining like what traits make a person worthwhile it's horrible when it's just kind of something kind of screwed up i didn't really like that at all and i also felt like he was just kind of taking notes on like what he values and i was like oh is he gonna use that to like manipulate him in the future even though i've read this book before i kind of know what happens but like oh that's interesting i haven't i didn't think of that like if he's using, like, if he's trying to figure out how to use humans to manipulate Keith specifically. Because I was more thinking along the lines of, like, like, the, ne- okay, like, the never seen don't like humans. That's kind of their thing. So what if their plan was to, like, literally kill all humans except for the ones with these, like, so-called desirable qualities? Yeah, and then they could also, to make it, like, worse, they probably just paint it as, like, we're making the human race better because these are, like, the best traits in people and we're eradicating all the bad ones, but that's just not how it works. <laughs> and it makes me nervous because the never scene just slowly gets more and more horrible the more you look into everything they do. But I was like, oh, oh, no. And it also would be, like, worse, I think, if the never kind of hatred or assimilation of humans was made out as like they kind of like just want to make them better that's worse as well i guess so yeah gisella is terrible Fenton is also terrible yay yep 
that's kind of like the summary of what I was thinking this entire like kind of section. It's just, wow, I hate these guys. I mean, I guess they're villains. It's their job to be villainous, but still, like... Yeah, couldn't you have, like, one nice quality? But no. You know, neither of them have any redeeming qualities whatsoever. I mean, I... I can't think of any. I guess you could say that Gisela really cares about Keith, but that's also a really twisted way of looking at it. Yeah, her care is not good. <laughs> yeah. It always be like better if no, I don't Yeah. She just that's like the only redeeming quality, but it's also not a redeeming quality at all. Somehow. Right, it's like it's like in context, it's actually really terrible. Yeah, it's kind of like her care is twisted around in such a way that it harms him. So I don't know if I'd count that as redeeming, but also like at least she cares about her son, but I don't, it's not like necessarily a good thing, I suppose. Like it is, but it's also not. So she has a half redeeming quality. I mean, okay, Finton, Finton told Morella, but that's about it. Oh, wait, was Morella in here? Oh no, not at all. Sorry, I was oh, like, oh, as like on, a as a redeeming like quality, a redeeming quality. At least he's sort of helping now, but I don't know. That's true. Finton is kind of in an interesting place as of legacy because, yeah, he's sort of he's not really the main villain anymore, and he is kind of he is helping out Morella. Yeah, he's sort of just there. I'm kind of viewing him more like in a neutral kind of position now than I used to. Like I still hate him, but. He's not, like, the main antagonist anymore. So it's kind of like Vesper and Gisela are, like, more main than he is at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I almost feel like with the position he's in where he's, like, mentoring Morella and teaching her how to control her ability, he... It almost seems like he might have a redemption arc. Yeah, honestly, it's not... That's sort of the thing where I wouldn't be too mad at, whereas if I, like, redeemed Cassius or Gisela, I would just not be okay. But Finton is, like, horrible, and he does a lot of horrible things, but I feel like he never read to me as, like, that kind of abhorrent, irredeemable sort of person. So I think that could happen, yeah. But, like, if he started working with the Black Swan, but he wouldn't have any, like, useful intel since he's been gone from the Nev scene for a while now. I guess he is he is a really powerful pyrokinetic, so if he offers those abilities to the black swan, like yeah, like I would I would be okay with him getting redeemed actually. Yeah, it's sort of like and also after reading that preview, Kenrick killing Kenrick is less important to me somehow. <laughs> True. So I Yeah, I'd be okay with a redemption arc for Fintan Fintan, I think. And I think it could happen too. It sort of seems like the way she's going with that. But I mean, either way is okay, I suppose. I think there's like a bit more after that for a section. Oh, I just stumbled upon the sentence he's making you do my do his laundry without any context whatsoever. So hang on. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, it's like Keith is currently like a never seen intern where he has to just, just Oh yeah, go make us a coffee, we're discussing our evil plans. Yeah, this section that like after that bit kinda of got mildly ridiculous to me. There was a bit about like not and not just because I'm having nightmares about King Demeter's underwear, but just yeah, got had more of ridiculous lines after that. I think in the set, all I really remember it was like, oh yeah, and then oh, next sort of bit of section is kind of like uh, 
the ogres agreed to meet with Fintan. So that's kind of like where that alliance is like set in stone in this little bit there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're thinking of like, yeah, allying of putting their forces together, which does like set the stage for, you know, what goes on at the end of this book. Yeah, as well. I think there was a part where it was like, oh, was this before? I don't remember, but there was something about guessing is right where he needs to be, which sets up the end of the book. Oh, yeah. Really nicely. I don't remember where that was, though. So. Yeah, I don't remember what book that was, but that was nice foreshadowing. Yeah, I think I just read that in this bit, but I probably just, I don't know, hallucinated that maybe, but where was it? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was here, but I really don't see where that would be, so I'm not sure, but that was a lot of really nice foreshadowing. It's possible it was here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It's kind of like, I feel like I just read that, but I also might have been on the wrong chapter. I don't know. I think it was in this book, though. But yeah, I don't know. It was There was a lot of really nice foreshadowing with Gethin about like his role at the end of Lotus Star, which was pretty cool. Like, I liked that. I mean, I liked like the last line, which was, you're grounded, and then they add for the rest of eternity, and I was like, yeah. That was cool. Like, a cool ending after, especially after like, the start, since it was like, should we just add, like, please don't ground us for the rest of our lives? And then it's just like, they do. Also, I think, very reasonable reaction from the parents. Yeah, I think one of the things I really liked about this series in general is, like, the parents are very competent. Yes, and true. Like, they make sense. You would be very concerned and you would ground your kids forever if they ran away to meet with Keith. Like, yeah. <laughs> you would, which I think was cool. They're portrayed very realistically, I think. Yeah, they are. So let's move on to social media. You can find us at KeeperCast on Tumblr and the KeeperCast on Instagram. And you can also find me at Malamelting on Tumblr and Instagram. Um, you can find me at Feet on both Tumblr and Instagram. Next week, we will be reading chapters 44 through 56 of Lodestar. And we post on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.